0: I would say, hello, Adrian, this is Gabriel texting you from the Happy Little Clinic. I noticed that you have an appointment tomorrow at 9.15. Does this appointment time still work for you? I would let the patient respond back or the patient responded back. And if I had other questions, especially if they're like HIPAA, right? Like we want to make sure we're being as diligent as possible and making sure that we're following the law. I wouldn't text any HIPAA, I guess, messages if your platform's not secured. But what I would do is text the patient saying, hey, does this TEM work for you so I can give you a call and then ask those questions if you need to do more of like in-depth questions in in that regard. This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah. Innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. Welcome to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, the podcast that brings innovations and best practices in healthcare to your podcasting app. I'm Adrian, your host, and today I'm excited to be with Gabe Delmiro of Coleman Associates fame, back by popular demand, and we're going to talk about two-way texting and things that we're seeing in health centers right now. Gabe and I are currently on site together at a health center in Kansas. So you are getting us live from on-site time. So Gabe, without further ado, for those that may not have met you, do you want to introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Thanks for having me. My name is Gabriel Mono. I'm a trainer and coach with Coleman Associates. For those who don't know me, I my background, I was a medical assistant before I became a trainer and coach with Coleman. I went through the collaborative I worked there for eight years but before I was a patient. Before I was an employee, I was actually a patient, so I knew definitely some some inefficiencies the health center had, you know, firsthand. But like I mentioned, I was a trainer. I was a medical assistant for eight years. Then I was a health center manager, and then I transitioned over to Coleman Associates.
1: All right, so Gabe, I know whenever we were on site today, we were and yesterday we were using a lot of two-way texting. So can you, can you talk about one, like what is the difference between two-way texting and one-way texting?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that's a great question. And we get asked that question a lot. So the the big difference is the two-way texting, it's, it's a way that you can communicate to your patients and your patients can communicate with you. Right. I think there's a lot of portals or even EMRs that you can send text messages to patients, but the downfall to that is that when the patient responds, nothing really comes back to you or they can't respond at all. So in order for you to have a really a rich conversation, it needs to be a two way form in order for you and the patient to get what you guys want to get out of it, which is you know confirmation or some sort of communication between the health center and, and, and the patient.
1: So one of the other questions that we frequently get is, well, we do portal messages or we do phone calls or I'd say portal messages and emails are the common ones that kind of come up as a potential replacement.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know, when you're looking at what's also the difference and I, I think, you know, some folks are absolutely right. You have to think about how many emails or communication, you know, messages you're sending to the patient. It's also like what's worth the squeeze or the juice is worth the squeeze is even if you're sending out just portal messages or text messages, but they're automated. They're not going to be as rich as someone actually sending something out. And then the patient knowing that they can respond back. Yesterday was a great example. We got the, 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 the DAs on the portal that they're using. Yeah. So yesterday we got the, to get on Artera, or formerly known as Well Lab. And they started texting patients, or one of the patients responded and said, oh, thank you, many, many thanks, and send an emoji. And the reason that that happened was because it was customizable, or the text message was customizable, and the patient knew that it wasn't just a robo-text, and I think that's where the big difference is. I mean, we all receive robo-messages or robo-calls, and none of us, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I can, I guess I can speak for the majority of us don't necessarily want to respond to a robo call because, or a robo text, because we know that no one is on the other side of that message.
1: Yeah. I, and Gabe, you'll know, this is with a group we worked with out in Indiana. I did the exercise of I, and listeners, you can do this right now is pull out your phone and count how many robo texts you've gotten from some sort of an automated system in the last 24 hours and then count how many responded to. And whenever I've done this exercise with other folks, the number is usually approaching 0% because people just don't like to respond to that versus whenever it's a personalized text message that's clearly from a person, we see much better results. And of course, naturally Gabe will laugh at this as I went to go look up the data today on what the difference was and on average, the automated text responses from this system were getting about an 11% response rate versus mm-hmm. the jockeying texts and the confirmation texts that Gabe was working on yesterday with the dental assistants had about a 63% response rate, which is a huge difference. Right. So Gabe, whenever we're talking about a personalized message, can can you give me an example of like what you would say in a robust confirmation text and what you would say in a jockeying text?
0: Yeah, in a robust confirmation text, I would say, hello, Adrian, this is Gabriel texting you from the Happy Little Clinic. I noticed that you have an appointment tomorrow at 9.15. Does this appointment time still work for you? I would let the patient respond back or the patient responded back. And if I had other questions, and especially if they're like HIPAA, right, like we want to make sure we're being as diligent as possible and making sure that we're following the law. I wouldn't text any HIPAA, I guess, messages if your platform's not secured. But what I would do is text the patient saying, hey, does this time work for you so I can give you a call and then ask those questions if you need to do do more of like more in-depth questions in, in that regard.
1: Yeah. And so just a couple of things I'll highlight about what you said is, one is saying who you are, like from a person, right? And you had an open-ended question in there. I sometimes even add in, you can text me back here. Or if I'm feeling really froggy, I'll say like, you can text me back here. I'm not a robot and put a robot emoji. Right. (laughs) Because a lot of times our patients are really conditioned to that, not being a real person. And then I love your example of like, obviously you don't want to send PHI over an unsecured text message. A secure text message is a different thing, but just making sure I call those like anti-phone tag messages, which is like, is there a good time for me to call you or is this an okay time?
0: Right. Absolutely. And for the jockeying, I mean, it's, you know, really what, and what we tend to see is that most staff are a little reactive. They think that just one message is one and done. And, and really what you're wanting to do is condition your, your patients to either respond. To your messages or your calls, however you get a hold of them. And it's not just a one and done kind of like just checking off the box it doesn't really do you or the patient any justice just to check off the box, but is really how do we get well prepared for the visit? And if the patients are not going to come in, can we open up that availability and give it to a patient that really needs to get seen? But one of the text messages that I would say is, hello, Adrian. This is Gabriel. I spoke to you yesterday via text message. I know you confirmed and I wanted just to confirm that this Appointment time still works for you today. Again, we know life happens. You know, we all know it. I mean, I I get on Q&As and coaching calls and, you know, staff tell me, well, you know, the patient confirmed and they didn't, you know, show up. And it's like, well, are we texting them the same day? Like life happens, you know, and the patients get a flat tire or, you know, maybe couldn't get a babysitter or whatever the case might be. That's going to be their first go-to. It's not calling the health center. So we have to be proactive on our side in order for us to increase no-shows also open up that availability and open up that access for patients that need to get seen.
1: I love how you said that too. The other reason that I love texting for that purpose is that if it takes more than, I mean, you'd have to ask yourself what your number is. But for me, if I'm calling in to cancel an appointment, I ask myself, how long would I wait on the phone lines to cancel an appointment? And for me, it's somewhere between 30 seconds and a minute, right? If I'm scheduling an appointment, like maybe I will wait 15 minutes, but to cancel an appointment, I am very impatient about that. And so it also gives folks another opportunity to be able to cancel so that you can use that appointment for somebody else without their having to wait on the phone.
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, no harm, no foul. And some some staff members get upset that they're like, oh, well, this patient canceled. And if we would have known, and well, the, if we would have known, it's really on us because we didn't do our due diligence to, again, reach out to the patients. It was just more, well, we checked off the box and we should expect this to happen. But again, it's just making sure that we are as pro- proactive as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think we often see that whenever we're coaching jockeying in particular, because one, one sort of baseline thing that foundational thing that makes jockeying a lot easier is obviously simplified patient scheduling. But the other common reason that jockeying isn't working is because you're not doing jockeying calls and texts. So you're just trying to be reactive to it and you can't reduce missed opportunities that way. You have to proactively go get that information from patients.
0: Right. And it's, I will say it is A little bit of time consuming upfront, especially if you don't have the training, you don't know what to say, right? It's like a little bit like going to the gym. You kind of got to know what workouts you're going to do. If not, you're just kind of losing your time or, you know, you have to be diligent in order for you to get the results. But I absolutely uh, agree with what you just mentioned.
1: Yeah. And so if I can just sort of shift us gears is I want to talk about why I am a little bit crazy about insisting people do two-way texting. And I think that I really made you a believer too, which is what I've been trying to do.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: So we worked with an organization out in LA and they let me have access to so much of their data, which is honestly the best way to my heart. So if my (laughs) husband is listening, give me data for my birthday and for like our anniversary and stuff. I love new data sets. But what I looked at is I looked at all of their no-show data by race in 2019, before we worked with them, and then now in year-to-date, 2023. And what we found is kind of before we started doing this work, is if you looked at their no-show rates by race, and of course, we're assuming here that the problem is not the patients, the problem is the process, right? And how equitable the process is. Is you saw between the highest no-show rate of the race that had the highest no-show rate And between that and the race that had the lowest no-show rate was a spread of 48%. So the standard deviation there was 14%. One standard deviation is 14%. And after they started doing this work, what they found is the spread went down to a 15% difference with a standard deviation of 5%. I was just quizzing myself on the data there. And so I think I did this math and I'm sure somebody in the podcast world will fact check me on this, but I believe that's a 69% decrease in the standard deviation. So texting and two-way texting in particular really helps to also decrease disparities because we know that anytime we're talking about health disparities, the first the first foundational thing you have to do is fix access to care. So Gabe, can you talk about kind of why we think that texting and two-way texting in particular is more equitable and more inclusive for patients?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I was just trained and conditioned to do phone calls, right? When back in, in my MA role, so I was always working the phones. We didn't have texting and maybe this is why we didn't see you know, I wouldn't say like, oh, a huge improvement right away. It was because I think when we're looking at texting, most of our patients have government phones. So ultimately, at the end of the month or sometime in the month, depending if they use their minutes, I mean, they're not going to be able to receive calls anymore. But what they do have is unlimited or typically what they do have is unlimited text messaging. So whether they don't have minutes or not, they could still be able to get a hold of or you being you can still reach out to, to the patient's. With a, with texting and again, texting needs to be in the way that they know that someone on the other side and not just, you know, some automated platform that we preset and just send it out to a number of, of our patients. But it's really looking at them as a person and having that connection of, Hey, this is Gabe. I work at the health center. We have a, a, a relationship. Give me a call or, you know, let's confirm this appointment. Or if you need to reschedule it, how can I help? And, and, and giving them that. Sort of guidance, but it's also that the clarity that it's not just some you know Robo software at the end of the, the message
1: yeah i I totally agree and i I would say not only is it the unlimited texting piece, it's also like if a patient works nights. That way they can text you asynchronously and get back to you. I I can't tell you the number of times I've sent out text messages right before the end of clinic. And then I come back in the morning and I've got messages, right? And Mm -hmm. that way you start the morning ahead instead of behind because you're like, okay, great. I've got these spots. Let me pop these walk-ins in there. Let me start getting on the phones or the text to bring people in. It can be a really powerful tool. One, one caveat I just want to make about that in terms of making sure that the two-way texting is inclusive is it really you need to have the capability to do plain SMS texting. And I am by no means against secure texting or being able to send multimedia messages. Those are all really great capabilities. But what I tend to do is if I'm going to send a secure message that has PHI in it, or in the same way that Gabe was talking about, letting the patient know that like, I'm going to give them a call to talk about this stuff, is because not everybody would necessarily have mobile internet or access to Wi-Fi on their phone, is letting folks know via plain SMS that you are going to send them a secure message and making sure that they can actually access that just to make sure that everyone is able to use that. And then, of course, be conscientious around what the rules are, particularly for adolescents in terms of how you kind of use those text messages.
0: And in texting in general, right? if A patient opts out of texting, making sure that you know where to find that. Definitely do your research, but testing is a great resource to have.
1: Absolutely Gabe, do you have any any other words of wisdom or anything you'd like to get on your soapbox about after our time on site today and yesterday?
0: Not necessarily. The only thing I would add on, just as I always mention, is just don't chuck off the box to chuck off the box, but really make it insightful for you, for the patient, make it worth the time. You know, definitely just don't say, Hey, this is Adrian just reminding you of your 920 appointment because those are just templates that we can make and send it out. But really what makes the patient feel invested into that appointment? And and just again be diligent in the process in order for you to see your results.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Gabe, for your time. I know it's been a long day on site and I'm making you do this in the evening in the hotel. <laughs> so make sure that you like and subscribe to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you or someone you know should be interviewed for an episode, just shoot us an email at notify at colemanassociates.com or reach out to us on social media to keep up with all the Chispa happenings. Follow us on LinkedIn. A big shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid and Nikolai for all of their podcasting help. We'll see you next time.